Good morning. Can I add my welcome to Helen's? It is brilliant to have you here, uh, even if you're Australian. <laughs> we are a people of grace. Uh, seriously, it's great to have you. Uh, particularly if you're here for the first time, we want to extend a particular uh, welcome to you. We're going to turn uh, in a moment to uh, the Bible. Uh, but before we do that, what I'd love us to do is here in the UK we have a saying uh, which is that uh, somebody is the salt of the earth. Uh, What I'd love us to do is to think of somebody that you would say is the salt of the earth, uh, talk to the person you came with or the person next to you, uh, tell them who they are and what is it about them that you think makes them the salt of the earth. Okay? Who can you think of that you would say is somebody that is the salt of the earth? Uh, And what is it about them that makes them, in your mind, a salt of the earth? Okay, uh, you might want to carry those conversations on later on. But today, today we continue our series called Monday Means all about what it looks like being a follower of Jesus uh, on a Monday, uh, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, every day of the week. Not just when we're gathered here as church, not just when we gather together in our community groups or our life groups, when we gather with other Christians, but also when we scatter throughout our weeks in whatever we find ourselves doing for the majority of our weeks. Ultimately, most of us, if we're Christians, spend most of our lives not in church. Uh, And so what difference does our faith in Jesus make on a Monday? And today we're looking at a famous saying, famous both inside and outside the church, the call to be salt, salt of the earth. And we're going to read three passages from the New Testament in which Jesus describes Christians as salt. We're going to read these three passages. They're very short verses. And you'll notice there's a lot of similarities between them, but also you'll notice there's some subtle differences, which hopefully we'll pick up on. So we're going to read these. I'll read them to you. One from Matthew, one from Luke, and one from Mark. So firstly from Matthew. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And then we're going to turn to Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 14, verse 34. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And then the next one, Mark chapter nine. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Let's pray, asking that God would make it really clear what he has to say to each of us about this. Father, we pray that now by your spirit, you would help us to understand what it means to be the salt of the earth. 
that we might leave these, uh, this place this morning different, changed, and determined to change. Teach us, we pray. Amen. Uh, from these passages then, we're gonna do three very simple things. We're gonna firstly understand what salt does. Then we're gonna hear a warning about losing our saltiness. And then briefly we'll consider some characteristics of salty Christians. What do they look like? What is it about them? And as we think about what salt does then, firstly, a short little video for us that gives us a hint as to what salt looks like in our culture today. Let's watch this together. Okay, so what does salt do? If we can have the PowerPoint back up. What does salt do? Salt is a really valuable commodity, but we forget it, don't we? It is a billion dollar business, and only 6% of the global salt industry is actually consumed by humans. It's useful in healthcare, food, medicine, farming, religion, chemical industries, on and on and on. And also it's one of the oldest trading commodities. You may not know this, but in the Roman Empire, it was known for soldiers to be paid in salt. That's how valuable it was. And in our culture, it's easy to forget that. And in Jesus' time, salt was primarily used in three ways. It was used as a fertilizer to kill weeds. It was used as a preservative to preserve food against bacteria and it was used obviously as flavoring but flavoring was a later thing. And because of those three things, fertilizing, get rid of the weeds, preserving, protecting and flavoring, giving a bit of color and flavor to life, we already get a bit of a picture about what Jesus means when he says you are the salt of the earth. Christians, because Jesus is talking to his followers, are salt, are here to fertilize, get rid of bad stuff. They're here to protect, and they're here to flavor the earth. And we can think throughout history of, Christians throughout history have done amazing things. Think of Wilberforce working for decades right against the current ethos of the day to change history, to protect against the bad, to bring flavor, and to kill off bad things. But we can think of small ways too. We've already heard about RPA, Riverside Performing Arts, going into schools all around Birmingham and beyond, protecting, giving flavor, we think of Riverside Money Advice here, one by one, protecting, helping to help people to get rid of bad practices and introduce good practices. We think of Real Riverside, praying before each match. We think of stay and plays, all of them, uh, different, different groups, different parts of our society, but not just the Riverside activities, Riversiders throughout their week as they scatter. Just in the last week, I've had conversations with two people in Riverside. One, being a faithful Christian in their workplace, who for the, just lit this week recently had an opportunity to speak to somebody in their, their workplace who was grieving just bringing a bit of life, a bit of color, a bit of protection for that individual. Or somebody else within Riverside who in their workplace, a colleague asked them, 
Can I say, ask you, are you a Christian? And they said, well, what makes you say that? And because they'd observed something because of the way they treat people. And I quote, you treat people as whole people, not just clients. Being salt, protecting against bad stuff, preserving, bringing flavor. Salt is distinctive to everything and everyone around. It is different. That's why it's different. That's why they used it in those days. And you notice something from these verses? You are the salt of the earth. Now I want to say this morning, it would be very easy to do a talk in which people leave feeling terrible because they ought to be the salt of the earth. Can I encourage you, if you are here this morning and you are broken, you are battling with stuff that is burdening you to the point of despair, please be encouraged that even in that, you are salt. It may not feel like it, but people will see the way you're navigating through all of the horrors, and they will see a difference whether you think you're being different or not. Because Jesus says you are the salt of the earth. So don't leave this morning feeling guilt-laden. Feel free. So what does salt do? Well, it introduces good stuff, protects against bad stuff. And as we saw recently, it helps the world around you to flourish, bringing flavor. So what I want to do simply is for us to pause for a moment. You may find it helpful to close your eyes. I want you to think through your day tomorrow. Whether you're in paid employment or not, whether you've got a full on day or it's a day off tomorrow, whatever your day looks like tomorrow, just think about it. And then I'm gonna ask a series of questions. And as I do so, we might ask God to help us to think how can we be salt tomorrow? So tomorrow, where do you have an opportunity to be distinctive? What appointments or meetings do you have in which you can bring good things and protect against bad things? Who will you meet tomorrow in which you can bring something of God's good flavor? Who might you meet tomorrow that you can help protect? Who can you help tomorrow to flourish? Father, may we be salt with the people we meet and the places we go tomorrow. Amen. So if that's what salt does, there is also in these verses a brief warning about losing our saltiness. If you look again at that Matthew passage, 
Jesus gives a pretty profound warning, doesn't he? Do you read it? If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Or in the Luke passage, we read this. If salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It's thrown out. Jesus says, if we lose our saltiness, our distinctiveness, we end up making no difference at all. Now, technically speaking, the salt we use today doesn't lose its saltiness. It can't. But that's because in those days, the salt that they used was very impure. It was mixed with all sorts of minerals and all that sort of thing. And so what happened, the impurities over time began to influence the salt so that it lost its, pow- lost its power. Just like us, over time, if those impurities are allowed to remain, then they have more and more influence in our lives and salt begins to lose its saltiness. For you and for me, the impurities in our lives The longer we leave them and not do battle with them, they will have more and more influence in our lives. And the passages are pretty clear. Unsalty salt, says Jesus, is useless. I mean, think about it. If salt isn't salty, what is it? It's a white sort of powder. which you're not gonna put in your food or you're not gonna use on fertilizer because it's pointless. And the warning's quite clear, isn't it? And we, if we're honest, don't like thinking about these things. If we are Christians and if we are not distinctive on a Monday morning, on a Tuesday, wherever, then Jesus says (coughs) we have little to contribute. We become the bland, leading the bland. Now I don't know about you, but I long for this city to be changed. I long for this nation to be different. I long for stories of hope to flood our news. I long for messages of rescue to be spoken from every street. But the truth is, if I am not distinctive, then I have little to contribute in terms of helping that to happen. And one of the beautiful things about Riverside is that we, as leaders, hear stories again and again and again of people who have come into our community and have tasted something (coughs) profound and beautiful that is very different, very distinctive because of the way we love, the grace we extend even to Australians. (laughs) We'll let it go, brother, don't worry. So there is a warning though. And as Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So that's the warning. But thirdly, uh, as we come into land, some characteristics of salty Christians. Having said all of that, having said what salt does, giving a warning about being unsalty, there are three very brief characteristics in these verses that I want to draw out from the three different passages. And the first is from this Luke passage where Jesus says something that is unique to this passage. 
You see, Jesus has followed, and I'd encourage you to read this. If you've got your Bibles now, just flick your eyes back a few verses because Jesus has just said these words just after he has told his disciples all about the cost of following him. Let me, if you look your eyes back, Luke chapter 14, verse 25, he talks about your immediate family and how if we follow Jesus, that will change how we relate even to our immediate family. And then he gives two examples of planning to follow Jesus and not counting the cost. So he talks about somebody who wants to build a tower. Don't they first, before they build the tower, work out how much it's gonna cost? Otherwise they start building halfway through, run out of no money, there's no tower. Or a king who wants to go to war and they don't sit down with the men that they've got whether they can beat <laughs> the opposition. They just think, yeah, let's go for it. And of course, they get annihilated. And Jesus is making it very clear. Salty Christians have counted the cost of following Jesus. We all know stories of followers of Jesus who have started well but with the distractions, the temptations, the comfort of life, have very gradually turned their face away from Jesus and their distinctiveness gets less and less. I think there's an encouragement here for all of us as followers of Jesus. If you want to be salty, if you want to be distinctive, if you want to make a difference, it will be difficult. It will be hard. There will be challenges in your life because we follow a savior who walked a very difficult path. So salty Christians have counted the cost. Can I say there will be moments if you're wanting to be distinctive in your workplace in which that will be very difficult and the temptation will be to, temp to go to comfort rather than distinctiveness. When you stand up for something that you know is not right and your boss is encouraging you to do something and to stand up for what is right means very, very difficult times ahead. It's painful. Or, or, or for the single Christian who is wanting to find a partner and the, and the temptation to choose somebody who you know is not best. And even your family are saying, it's fine. And you know the choice to be distinctive is a difficult one. We can all think of examples in our own lives of counting the cost. Salty Christians count the cost. The second aspect, and this is from the Mark verse. Salty Christians have peace with each other. Do you notice that? The distinctive bit about this verse in Mark, look at the end of it. Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. We quickly lose our saltiness if we are not at peace with other Christians. And this passage, if you look, comes on the back of a passage where Jesus is talking about if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and so on. Very dramatic message in which he's saying resist sin. And I think Jesus is basically saying there's enough enemies in our own hearts to make enemies of other followers of Jesus. There's enough enemies inside that we need to do battle with 
rather than doing battle with our brothers and sisters. Be at peace with other Christians, says Jesus, rather than at war with them. Why? Well, that's distinctive, isn't it? And I I want to say, one of the beautiful things about church is that we don't all get on. One of the beautiful things about church is that looking around us, we're an odd bunch. And there will be different preferences, different ideas, different attitudes, different hopes for the future, different dreams. And one of the beautiful things that church means for our society is nowhere else in society will we put up with people who we disagree with. Will we put up with people? Will we forgive people who differ from us? Will we walk as brothers and sisters with people who wrong us? Church has a very powerful message for the world to say, we are brothers and sisters. We are at peace, even though we're very different. That's distinctive because our culture says, well, I'll walk away from you because I don't like what you say. What a powerful message of hope to our broken world. So salty Christians have counted the cost. Salty Christians are at peace with each other. And thirdly and finally from the Matthew passage, salty Christians know just how important they really are. You, if you're a follower of Jesus, are the salt of the earth. Remember? Salt was very, very valuable. You are valuable to planet Earth. Your job is not just being a shopkeeper, being a librarian, being a student, being a teacher, being a mum, being a carer, being a friend, being a son. That is not just your job. You are a world changer. You are valuable to this planet. You may have grown up with all sorts of message about what is valuable, what success is. Jesus says you have an important task to play in this world. I don't know if you've heard recently, a number of different research reports have come out about how important church is to our society. Benefits of mental health, benefits of physical health, benefits on relationships. Time and time again, there was a study done by Oxford University in 2012 accumulating all sorts of different studies. We have a massive role to play in planet Earth. We have a massive task in Birmingham. You have an important role in your workplace, in your family, amongst your children, in your university, in your school. So as you go about your business tomorrow morning, as you leave your front door, whatever they are going to, you can walk with your chin held high because you are an ambassador of God going about the king above all kings business to bring salt, to bring protection, to bring flavor, to bring preservation, hope to this dying, broken world. And if you notice, we follow the one who has done all of that, the one who brought hope, the one who protected against wrong, the one who preserved, the one who brought a different flavor, 
even when it was immensely costly to him. Friends, you are the salt of the earth. May God use you tomorrow to change planet earth. Let's pray together. What we're going to do, I'm gonna invite the band back up and we're going to um, have an opportunity to respond and I'm gonna ask us to be brave. I'm gonna give some different scenarios and if you would like to be salt, I'm gonna invite you to stand where you are and then we'll pray together. So firstly, if you know there is something this week in which you need to be salt, and to be honest, you, you've been thinking about it, but you're not quite sure what that looks like. But you've sensed this morning a sense of, yes, I need to be distinctive there. If that's you, can I invite you to stand now? Please stand if that's you. And then if there are people around you The second group is if you know of people around you that you know that you need somehow uh, to protect them. It may even be protecting them from themselves. But you, your love for them, your care for them means that you this morning have had a sense of kind of responsibility to be salt and therefore care and protect them. Can I invite you to stand as well? And then the final group is, is for those of us here this morning who just generally we have a sense that our, we've become a little bit less salty than we might be. And we long to make more of a difference. We long to see the fruit in our lives of being salt of the earth. We long to bring more flavour. We long to preserve more. If that's you, can I invite you to stand as well? You may find it helpful to hold open your hands if that's something you feel comfortable with as I pray for us. You are the salt of the earth. Father, we long to be people who make a huge difference to the world around us, to the families you've put us in, 
to the friends we have, to the workplaces we go. Lord, we want to be saltier. We want to be distinctive. We want to be world changers, Lord. Would you use us this week for your glory, we pray. Amen.